Miracy. The other thing that drives them forward as well is their innate desire to not look so bad on screen. I had one person say to me that a friend of hers was like on the verge of depression anytime she had to go on camera, not because the on-camera part, but just the overall thing just didn't look the way that she would be expected to look. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eney, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today's guest is Johnny Byrne. He is a mentor to experts in both online courses and video presentations. Johnny, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Danny. I'm a little bit starstruck because uh, I bought your uh, teaching girl rich a couple of years ago. Wow, wouldn't it be lovely to talk to that guy someday? And here we are. Well, we are honored to have you on the show. So tell us, first of all, just who are you? What's your story? What do you do? How did you come to be doing it? And how did that eventually come to the modality of online courses? Sure. I used to teach social media and online marketing for years, right? And as we all know, there's no real way to kind of scale in any meaningful way without hiring teams of people, which I wasn't interested in doing. So I was at a conference in London, lots of people selling great digital products and courses. And I thought, this is the life for me. So this was back in 2013. So I spent a lot of time figuring it all out and reading your books and following your material and other people and so on. And uh, yeah, started to launch online courses. But I was losing my love for social media and gaining a lot of love for the whole process of course creation, the technology, the software, the strategies, the marketing. And I'm a bit of a nerd, so I've always been checking out new gear and equipment and whatever and delivering courses online. And COVID kicked in and I was invited to give a lot of live online workshops to fill a need for government agencies in different places. So I developed a fairly nice online presence and studio. And as a result of that, from sharing tips and tricks on LinkedIn and different places, people said, how are you doing that? How are you going from you being full camera to being part of the slides and part of the presentation without even blinking an eye or breaking on eye contact? And I'm like, well, I'm using vMix or Ecamm and a stream deck and so on. So yeah, so that developed into a course called presentation transformation, which helps subject matter experts and course creators and speakers and authors and coaches to basically stand out on screen, show up in a way that does them justice. I like to say, make them look as good online as they did offline when they'd be speaking on stage. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about who it's for specifically and what goes into the experience. I mean, you're fundamentally teaching people how to deliver training. I mean, they can record it and make it a course, but you're teaching them how to deliver training, show up on video, whether it's Zoom, pre-recorded, et cetera. Super high quality, great production value, what I've seen described as real-time video editing. Yeah, for sure. So it's, I love to work with trainers specifically like myself, but also speakers, authors, subject matter experts, coaches. So really anybody that has an appreciation any subject matter expert, I should say, that has an appreciation for the importance of their on-screen presence. 
that they don't look like they're in a witness protection program where you can barely see them and their voice is so distorted, you don't know who they are. So I was coaching a lady in Phoenix, Arizona, helping her set up her studio. She was doing a two-day live event. But as we were approaching the end of the coaching and she had everything working really well, she's like, you know what? I could really use this to make online courses. And I'm going, that's exactly right. This has two big benefits. One, deliver live as if you're nearly in the room with people and hit record, as you rightly say, Danny, and do the transitions and the pattern interrupt, as we call it. Do that as you're recording so you don't have to do it in post-production. Awesome. And what kind of gear do people need to have to implement what you're teaching them? Because I know that I have a fairly elaborate video setup as well, and they can start looking like the control deck in a newsroom. And that's not something that everybody has access to. What's the tech stack that you require or suggest that people have? Sure. So lighting is critical. I'm a big fan of Elgato. So I have a lot of Elgato stuff. I'm probably putting their kids through college at this stage. But so the Elgato key lights, one left and one right, as opposed to a ring light. Um, so if they're not Elgato, make sure they're edge lit as opposed to front facing LED lights. I underestimated the importance of lights for years and I look back at videos now and I laugh and cry at the same time when I look at them. Um, so ideally, they clamp to your desk as opposed to lots of tripods all over the place. Green screen is optional, but you can definitely do a lot with a green screen and have great fun with it. Sit standing desk. If standing is an option, I encourage people to stand and deliver. Uh, I use an anti-fatigue mat for about $30, so you're, it's more comfortable. Good clear audio. So shotgun microphone is my preferred option. There's Rode and there's... Audio Technica and there's different options. And definitely at least two monitors, a stream deck, which is a switch that allows you to do the effortless transition between scenes, a decent camera, ideally a DSLR. I mean, yes, you can use webcams, but if budget allows, get the Sony ZV-E10 or Canon M50 or something and a capture card. And it's just going to be exceptional quality and it's going to make it easier for using your green screen. Minimize echo as much as possible. Digital whiteboard, $50 attached to my desk where I can switch to a digital whiteboard when I'm presenting. Again, it's part of Pattern Interrupt. And then you're getting into software. So OBS is a great place to start. It's free for Windows and Mac. Eventually, I'll possibly want to do a higher production quality. So I use vMix for Windows or Ecamm for Mac. And it's really the software combined with the switch that allows you to do that, as you say, in production editing and that effortless and engaging transitions. So that's kind of, I think that's pretty much the basics. And after that, you can do the Danny Inney and, you know, have a full CNN studio. <laughs> <laughs> How much of that stuff do you suggest or require that people have before they sign up for your course? How much do you give them a shopping list and tell them kind of go nuts? And, and do you send them any, you know, you sign up for my course, this equipment is included? Yeah, so it's a great question. So you get Presentation Transformation, the guide, which gives you an insight into what's possible and why you should do it, and some information about equipment. So you've got kind of the brown, silver, and gold. Like entry level would be get a light or two, get the camera up to eye level, even if it's the laptop, and get a decent mic. So we've kind of got the entry level. We've kind of broke it into three. So you've got entry level, medium, and advanced. So they get a sense of, at a high level, what they need to be considering. I never tell people throw out what you have and just buy what Johnny Byrne uses because 
I mean, for budget and the environment, that's not a good thing to do. I mean, I help people use what they have. And if they do need a little bit more for the desired result that they want to achieve, then yes, they need to buy a little bit more. But they do get all that in the course. Okay, they do get a shopping list. They get behind the scenes and behind the screens with me, like pretty much raw footage of the gear, right? And I tell them why I have what I have, why I chose it, why I stopped using what I used to use, and some alternative options if, for example, certain pieces aren't available. How do you manage that when, you know, you've got the recommended shopping list, but I'm sure you do have a lot of situations where someone will be like, well, I have this camera from a brand you've never heard of, and I have this lighting that, like, it looks off for some reason. And, you know, everyone's got their own kind of unique tech stack. And I would imagine they're also not necessarily super tech savvy with this equipment that they got. How do you manage helping them to get on top of all that, given how variable I imagine their setups could be? Sure. So typically, for the most part, people who are attracted to my course don't really have a lot, in some cases, a laptop. So they're easy or easier to work with because they're like, hey, what I'd recommend if budget allows is A, B or C. And they go, yeah, I got the budget. That's what I'm going for. I want what you have. And I'm like, well, here's what I have. And they actually go and get what I have. I've seen my students almost turn up better than I, <laughs> you know, and I get a little bit jealous. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you for buying the gear and looking better than I actually do. So that's typically who's drawn to the course. If people have bought stuff and never took it out of the box, which I've had in my coaching clients as well, I'm like, let's see what you have. And then in a matter of minutes, I can actually tell them how they need to set that up to get the desired result. So while it might sound that everybody has a different setup, the overall wireframe, if you like, is pretty similar. And as I say, a lot of people come to me with nothing because that's why they're attracted to the course. And if they've got a ton of stuff, even as they go through the course, they can ask questions. And yes, I do get those questions. I've got this camera from, you know, I've never heard of it. I love to learn about new gear as well. So it's a combination of working with them as best I can through the questions they ask on the course, the free guide, and typically a lot of people don't have anything. Yeah, that's great. I'd just be curious to hear more about what challenges you face and how you've addressed them in terms of teaching these pretty technical topics to people. I mean, something we often see is course creators come in very intimidated by technology or they're they're afraid to you know, they're afraid they're going to break something. <laughs> so how do you handle bringing this very tech-rich approach to folks who might have a lot of trepidation about it? Sure, yeah. So the first thing I'd say, and it's not because I know it so well, or I'd like to think I do anyway, <laughs> it's actually not overly technical. I mean, the lights, get good lights, put them in the right place, you're done. Get a good microphone, put it in the right place, you're done. Where it starts to get a bit technical for people is how does the switch and the software work together? And that's where you just do quite clear instructional videos. And you just really show them behind the scenes and behind the screens. And if they, like all course creators, we recalibrate the course based on questions. I put out what I believe they need. And I always encourage, look, if you have any questions, please let me know. And I use the questions then where appropriate to actually add an additional piece of content or improve a video. The other thing that drives them forward as well is their innate desire 
to not look so bad on screen. I had one person say to me that a friend of hers was like on the verge of depression any time she had to go on camera, not because the on-camera part, but just the overall thing just didn't look the way that she would be expected to look. So when that innate desire is there to get that transformation, people will be willing to learn and they get a lot of support as well. And I always say to people, look at all the technical stuff you've already mastered that you thought you might never do. Driving a car, learning a musical instrument, swimming, using a smartphone, hosting a webinar, creating a course, etc. So, yeah, and they get it. Through that conversation, they get it and they move forward. And they get a little help from their husband or their wife or their kids <laughs> who are TikTokers and they just, hey, mom, plug it in this way. And they go, oh, okay. <laughs> How do you filter the people who really, really want this because it's important to them from, I'm sure you must get a fair amount of people who, you know, this is flashy, it's sexy, it's cool. Like they'll jump on this because it's a shiny object. How do you filter those people out? Yeah, so I guess I just, you know, make it clear of who it's for and what the transformation is going to be. And to a certain extent, I guess they have to decide, are they going to complete the course? But I do make it clear, like speaker, trainer, author, coach, typically, uh, subject matter expert. Um, there's an investment in equipment. You know, you need to be willing to take it on and, and, and learn how it's done. But at the same time, if you want this desired outcome, then you will get that result if you complete the course. And, you know, to be honest, I don't have much more of a filtering system other than who it's for, what you're going to get. And you're expected to make a little bit of investment in some equipment. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I think the investment in equipment is probably a good tripwire. It's like, look, this is not the only check you're going to have to write. So make sure you want it. Yeah. And people say, look, roughly, what do I need like for hardware and software? And I'm like, $1,000, $2,000 tops goes a long way. I mean, I don't include like, okay, you need a Mac or a PC at this specification. I do say to people, look, don't make a five or try to make a five-year-old laptop do this kind of stuff. But I also remind them that a five-year-old laptop is probably costing them money anyway in terms of efficiency and loss of productivity and frustration and stress and everything. Awesome. I have a question about, so you're kind of teaching two very distinct areas of skill. One is a technical skill, right? What hardware, what software, how do I set it up, et cetera. But the other is the skill of showmanship, et cetera. It's like, when do I go from this screen to that screen? And how do I look good on camera? And how do you balance those two skills, which are very different? Mm. Yeah, so there is an element within presentation transformation called power up and PowerPoint. Okay, now you can use other slide things, but we cover a little bit on the slides if you're using slides. But we do cover the, I guess, the softer skills. So as you say, showmanship eye contact, engagement, tone of voice, energy, intonation. We address those as we work through it. In terms of when you need to change, like transition from one side to another, like approximately every couple of sentences, okay? And when I say every couple of sentences, because it's not necessarily time-based. If you're making a point and it's three or four sentences, and then you're kind of moving on to a new point, or you want to reiterate that point in a different way. Just reach down, maintain eye contact, but have your thumb on the button ready to transition to somewhere else. And that just over time with a little bit of practice, 
because being on camera is, um, you know, you got to learn by doing. But with a little bit of practice, you kind of get a feel for when to change. And if you're not sure when, every three to five sentences. It's not a case of some weird video game where, you know, spot the Danny or <laughs> shoot the Danny on screen or whatever because he's moving so much. But you do move every couple of seconds because that's the way the TikTok generation and even us that watch TikTok or even reality TV, the camera angles change so much. So that works. And then we give a lot of soft skill training as well, confidence in camera, intonation, how to use a teleprompter if they want to use a teleprompter and use scripts. Yeah, all that's covered as well in small, meaningful ways. And then we meet for group coaching and then they can try it out in a dress rehearsal in a safe environment with other people. And it's peer-to-peer review, and I give some insights as well. So we always give them dress rehearsals as well. Anything else you would want to share with course creators, Johnny, or any other tips for people who are looking to create more engaging online courses and presentations? Yeah, I would definitely, and I don't want to sound biased, but (laughs) I would definitely encourage them to just reflect on how they believe, or even ask a few people, how they believe they're coming across from a visual and audio point of view, because it's a competitive world out there. And you know that saying, what you see is what you get. If they don't like what they see, they may feel like they won't like what they get. And they've seen what great looks like, particularly with the amount of people that moved online during COVID. So there's an expectation there to look good. The bar has been raised. So I just don't want people to lose out on core sales and success, essentially because they didn't invest a couple of hundred dollars in some equipment and a course. And you will make better courses faster, which was always why I got into what has now become presentation transformation, both for live. But you will make better online courses faster because you'll be self-sufficient in your own little mini studio. I hope that helps. Yeah, thank you. Babe, do you want to do the readout? Johnny Byrne is an expert mentor who teaches entrepreneurs to make more efficient presentations and online courses. To find out more about him, head on over to johnnybyrne.com. That's Johnny, B-E-I-R-N-E.com. Thanks so much for coming on, Johnny. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. So what jumps to mind to me before anything else is that there are a lot of people out there who are teaching how to create online courses, some version of that. Obviously, I do that, you do that, Johnny does that, lots of other people do that. And part of it, I think, is that it's very seductive. You know, you get into creating a course on a topic and you're like, this is a really fascinating process. I'm developing insights. I want to share them. And so, you know, there's just an attraction to wanting to get into that space. But that also presents a challenge, which is that the space is very crowded and very saturated, and you need a unique way of standing out. And it's really interesting that there are so many different approaches and philosophies, and and Johnny's a really good illustration of that. Even in a very saturated and crowded market, there are ways to find a niche that is just yours that you can really stand out in. Yeah, I mean, I think I also thought it was interesting that one of the ways that he does that is by essentially demystifying what is, for many people, a very complex and intimidating topic around 
getting into higher quality audio and video, doing more sophisticated production and integrating those higher quality videos into courses, like a lot of people are just stopped in their tracks by how complex and technical and intimidating that topic seems. But by diving into that and demystifying it and making it accessible, you know, he's able to unlock the topic for a lot of people who would otherwise give up on it. So that's potentially a direction or an opportunity that people can look at is what are the areas, you know, in your field or in closely related areas where something needs to be, you know, demystified because people are scared by its complexity. You know, what I also found interesting was the selection and filtering of the target customer, because he's serving people who are pretty new to this area of work in terms of, you know, the whole video setup, etc. And you would expect that when you're teaching a technical topic, that would be a challenge, right? Because beginners, they don't have a foundation and there's a lot of a learning curve. But because of all the infrastructure and technology required, it means that they're not bringing a lot of their existing tech. They're kind of starting with a clean slate. So it becomes a bug rather than a feature. And when you combine that with the fact they're going to have to get the technology and they're going to have to spend, you know, he said an extra thousand to two thousand dollars on top of the cost of his course, that becomes a really good filter of, you know, is this someone who is serious enough to be committed to do the work to engage? And I think that sweet spot works very well for Johnny. Yeah. A couple of interesting techniques I thought he shared that could be relevant in other contexts also. First of all, he had this sort of coaching approach of encouraging his participants to not give up, right, when they're working through these these complex technical and setup issues. And part of his coaching is, is basically saying, hey, you've, you've learned other hard things before, right? You've learned how to give a great, you know, keynote presentation if they're a keynote speaker, or you've learned how to drive a car, right? That wasn't easy. So kind of using those analogies to coach people through this and and recognize that, oh, yeah, they've actually gone through learning curves like this before, even if it's been a while for them. And then the second technique I thought was useful and applicable is the idea of a, a dress rehearsal, which it's kind of directly applicable in the case of doing a live presentation. It's literally like a theater performance with a dress rehearsal. But it's an interesting thing, too, how that could be applied in other you know, course scenarios where you're trying to get someone to practice and apply a skill, is there a way to have your participants do a dress rehearsal of some kind that will make them feel more comfortable and help them put the skills into practice? That's all I got. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Rizuku, here with Danny Eni, founder and CEO of Miracy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Making It. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer, post-production by Post Office Sound. Another thanks to Johnny for coming onto the show today. Remember, you can learn all about him over at his site, johnnyburn.com. That's Johnny, B-E-I-R-N-E.com. To make sure you don't miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Did you enjoy the show? Well, go ahead and leave us a star review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind the scenes kind of thing.
Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively and we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. Why are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.